0: Hey everyone, it's Austin Solomon, the Solomon Group at Cobble Banker. Welcome to this week's episode of The Real. We are back in the studio. It's late April. You're probably going to be hearing this episode in early May. If you were to come to my office and say, "Austin, I'm a first-time home buyer and I'm looking to purchase a home," or "I'm a home buyer and I'm looking to purchase a home, walk me through the process." That is what today's episode is going to be. Uh, I'd sit you down. Uh and, and go through the the following information. So um, for the simplicity of this episode, let's just pretend like your name is John. <laughs> let's just pretend like your name is John. All right, John, thanks for stopping into this. Uh, thanks for stopping into the office here. Uh, let me tell you about the the offer, you know what the process looks like. This, the purpose of this meeting is for you to get to know me, right? For me to get to know you. And for me to prepare you for the marketplace and let you know how to navigate this challenging market. Um, John, tell me what you're looking for in a home, right? And we'd go through the specifics. Uh, John, what's your current rent? What's your current situation? Where do you live now? Right? What's the term of your current lease? Are Are you with your parents? You know, what do you have a house to sell? All those different things we have to go through because we have to talk about timing. When's the right time to buy, John? Do we need to sell a house first, John? And tell me what you're looking for. Do you want to be within 15, 20 minutes of Wausau? Is the style of the home important for you, John? Do you like a one-story, a two-story, or are you open? Are stairs acceptable? How many bed, how many bath? Is that a deal breaker, John? Because most of the times... You know, if you go from one bath to two bath, that's going to limit your search quite a bit for certain price points, right? How many how many car garage is the lot size important to you? Uh, most people would say that the lot size is important to them. Um, and a lot of times people will say the biggest thing is I don't want to be right on top of my neighbors, which I can understand. <laughs> so, uh yeah. John, do you want a house that is newer and nicer, or, right, newer, nicer, and smaller, or would you rather have something that's larger and needs more work? Because I always ask buyers that question because it gives me a pretty good sense to what they'd rather have, right? Newer and nicer and smaller, or something larger that needs more work, because that's typically what you see uh that's the 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 differences in price right on one extreme you have a very small home that's very nice and has very nice finishes very high quality on the other extreme you have a very large house that needs a lot of work and those houses might be about the same price their answer to that question john's answer would help me decide what that you know what's you are looking for and how i can best assist you find something um so yeah, we go through that whole process, Process. we kind of go through a questionnaire, and I really get a good sense of what you're looking for, and then I um, find out how you want me to send houses to you as they, they hit the market. Do you want me to email them to you? Do you want me to text them to you? Et cetera, right? Now, John, let me tell you, as we go throughout this process, right, we are a team, as new homes come on the market, I would expect that you send them to me, right? So I, I encourage you to do some searching as well, and I'm going to be doing some searching as well. Uh, right now, uh, with the way that the market is in technology, it used to be, even like three four years ago, when a home hit the MLS, which stands for Multiple Listing Service, that's what we use to search for homes, there used to be a lag between the MLS and uh, some of the bigger sites like Zillow, dot Coal Banker, and the different agency websites. There used to be a delay. We used to get kind of inside scoops on properties or at least have access to them maybe a little bit before. But right now, the way that technology is going, going so fast, as soon as properties hit the MLS, within a few minutes, they're on all the sites. So, John, there's a very good chance that you might see a house and you might be like, hey, why didn't you send this to me, Austin? Well, Because if I'm on, you know, in a meeting or something like that, or on lunch or whatever it is, I really don't take a lunch, but uh, whatever it is, if you see that house, you just happen to be looking a certain amount of time, a certain at a certain time of day, you might see a house first. I might catch it first, right? That's whoever catches it first. That's not that important. The key is that we're going to communicate together as a team. If I see something, I send it to you. As you see something, you send it to me. Sound good, John? Good, good. All right, John. We're gonna, this is going to be fun. We're going we're gonna to work well together. Okay, so we talked about, we talked about what you're looking for um, and how we're going to go about this process. Now, keep in mind, John, um, I can show you any house that's out in the market, no matter if it's listed with a different company or it's listed with our company, right, or even for sale by owners or private sales, uh, I can help you with those as well. Let's talk about the market, John, right? there, it's probably 10 buyers for every one house out there right now. So as a buyer, we have to be very uh, diligent about getting into homes in a timely manner. And then when we like a certain property, we're going to have to make a competitive offer. Uh, And most of the time it's going to be above the asking price if it's new on the market and with compelling terms to the seller because we're really going to be competing with other offers in most instances right now. If you're only drilling, dealing directly with the seller, that's when I can get creative for you. We can negotiate with the seller, but most of the time there's not a lot of negotiation because we're actually competing with other offers. Right. And, uh, so that it's not uncommon for homes right now to be selling for five, 10, 15, 20, 25,000 over asking. Just so you know because I'm trying to prep you for the market. Uh, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to deter you from buying a house right now. I just want to best set you up for uh, the the process, John. Okay, let's talk about the process right. So the first step uh, is that you've already told me that you've gotten your pre-approval letter, which is fantastic. And if you haven't, that's where, uh, we would go to our bank and get a pre-approval letter. Um, my suggestion right now too is that when you get your pre-approval letter, John, you've told me that you want to be around 200,000 because that's what you're comfortable doing. Um, you know earlier when we talked you said you were pre-approved up to 275, but you don't really want to go that high, right? Because you know you want to take time for vacations. You don't want to be house poor, which I totally agree with you. However, for the purpose of the offer, John, what I would suggest is that when we attach the offer to purchase to uh, our offer and submit it, and let's say the price of the property is 200,000, put your seller cap on for a moment, right? You're the seller of that house. You have two offers that come in. One person's pre-approved for 200, which is the price, the other person's pre-approved for 275. Who does it seem like is more financially qualified for that property? the 275 so john send me a max pre-approval right because that way when we attach the pre-approval to the offer the sellers will naturally think hey this is well within their budget comprendo john good okay step number two is searching and pre-screening homes we just went through that whole process right we're going to work as a team to get you in these properties and when you want to see something, you text me or call me, you let me know, and we'll get you, we'll set something up, um, with the time that works for both of us. I'll take care of the coordination and setting everything up, etc. cetera. All right. Then we go and tour the homes, right? So I'll meet you there at the property. You know, we don't have to carpool or anything. We'll just meet you there. And there's a decent chance right now with the way that the market is, we might run into some other buyers at showings and agents, et cetera especially if we're looking at the hours between like four to eight when that's kind of when everyone's looking. So just so you know, we may run into other people right now. Another thing, John, is that some sellers are requiring masks, et cetera, during the showings, uh, which we do have to honor. Um, if, they, you know, if they don't, if the house is vacant, then it's up to your discretion if you'd like to or not. Um, step number four, let's say that we go to a house, John, and you want to make an offer on it. Then what I'll do, is I will work with you to put that offer in. Okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the offer to purchase and some of the main conditions so that you can best understand the process, right? So there's really four things I want to cover with you. When we make an offer to purchase on a property, we want to make sure that we're it's the right fit, right? We want to be committed to the property. We want to have good interest. You don't want to have second thoughts or cold feet on a property. And you just want to make sure it's a good fit. Right. Okay, so when we find that property, we make an offer. One of the things that we're going to do is we're going to talk about earnest money. Okay, earnest money is good faith money that you're going to complete the terms of the offer. Typically, for our price point, it's between $1,000 and $2,000. However, with the market being the way it is, some sellers like to see higher earnest money dollar amounts to show more sincere faith and more commitment to the buying process and the uh, house. Right. So if someone puts down twenty thousand dollars of earnest money, that shows that they're pretty committed. Okay. Now, as a buyer, um I'm sure you're wondering what happens if the deal closes, what happens if the deal doesn't close? Right. If the deal closes successfully, the earnest money gets applied towards your down payment and closing costs. If the deal does not close, the buyer and seller have to agree how to distribute the earnest money, right? And normally, as long as you use good faith in completing the terms of the offer, your earnest money may, I say may, be returned to you um, most of the time, right? Um, the reason I say may is, again, because if a deal doesn't work out, the buyer and the seller have to agree how to distribute the earnest money. Well, obviously, if the, if the, the earnest money is 20 grand you know, there's some significant, um, you know, obviously that's quite a bit of money. Normally though, $1,000, $2,000 of earnest money and the deal doesn't work out. Well, why didn't it work out? Did the buyer have something come up on the loan and they sincerely like really wanted the house, but they couldn't get it because they couldn't get the loan? Well, in that case, normally the earnest money is going back to the buyer, right? But it all depends on the circumstances. If the inspection revealed some major issues that no one knew about and the uh, seller's like, you know what, we just can't financially afford to fix those items. I'm sorry. Like we understand that you don't want to move forward. Well, obviously that earnest money's going back to the buyer, right? If the buyer just backs out of the deal for no reason, which you can't do, right? There's no oopsies clause in this offer, John, then you're going to lose your earnest money and you might have some other consequences associated to it as well. But John, I don't want to get into the downside here. I don't want to be negative, but I just want to let you know that we are dealing with offers. We're dealing with contracts and we want to use good diligence. And that's why I'm sitting down with you to walk you through all these things. Right. And that's why I'm going to draft this offer. And when we make the offer, I'm going to walk through everything to make sure you're comfortable with what we're doing. Sweet. Okay, good. Um, Some of the other things that we're going to talk about, John, which I'm going to give you this packet of info. Uh, which you can uh, you can take and read. You can also listen to different episodes of the Real. But let's talk a little bit about it now, and of course, we'll talk about it a little bit more when we uh, actually make the offer. The home inspection is another thing, right? So sometimes buyers are waiving their home inspections right now, John. It's not something I always recommend um, for you. If the house is brand new or within a few years, that's you know obviously that'd probably be the one instance where maybe you feel pretty confident that you know, maybe you don't need a home inspection because it's so new, right? But even in that case, you might want that peace of mind, which I don't blame you. you Are spending a lot of money on a house? You want to know what you're getting into. I always recommend you get a home inspection. The reality is with the market that we're in right now, buyers understand that, hey, if I'm competing with five offers and two of the offers don't have home inspections, I'm at a significant disadvantage as a buyer trying to purchase a home when other buyers are waiving their home inspections, and I know that the seller would much rather not have to deal with a home inspector and an inspector going through their house and nitpicking everything, right? So as a buyer, that's something you have to decide what you're comfortable doing. And it's probably going to be house specific as well. John, let me tell you a few things that we're doing right now for our buyers, right? That that tends to work well for those that want to do a home inspection. Um for that peace of mind, what we could do is we could tell the sellers, Hey, we're only worried about major items. Like we're not going to come back with a laundry list of small fixes after the home inspection. We're only concerned about major items. Well, how do you put that into clear and concise terms in the offer to purchase? John, let me give you an example. If an individual item comes back less than $500 to fix on the home inspection, then we're not going to ask for the seller to uh, make that repair. If something's greater than $500, John, then we could ask the seller to repair. Either way, the way that the inspection works is the seller's not obligated to fix anything on the report. Okay, They're not required to fix anything. As a buyer, if something major comes up and the seller's not willing to fix it, then you have the option to say, hey, sellers, if you're not willing to fix this item, then we're not going to move forward. As long as you do that within the time frame allotted for the home inspection, so that's kind of how that works. For works, the inspection would be at your cost. Traditionally, it's between four to five hundred dollars, depending on the size of the house, etc., age. So four to five hundred, give or take a couple hundred, um, and uh, yeah, and that's how that works. If you want to test for radon too, you can add that as part of the uh, inspection. Well. You add it, it's a separate condition in the offer, right? You would pay for the test. Typically, the test costs $100. Again, if that comes back high, we could ask the seller to fix. Same deal, they don't have to, but if they don't want to, we might be able to say, hey, well, well, we could say, hey, if you don't fix it, the deal's off as long as we do so within the time allotted for that condition. Comprendo, John, good. Okay, next is the appraisal and financing. So, yeah, you've got your preapproval letter, which is the first step to getting the loan right and it's a great step to showing the seller that we can uh, financially uh, take care of buying this house but it's not necessarily like a commitment right it's a good normally i would say if a buyer has a decent pre-approval letter by decent meaning like not just a phone call from a lender saying like oh yeah your income's x your credit what's your credit x you're approved, like that's really not a very good pre-approval, but no, most of the time, if you get a legitimate pre-approval, like you run credit, you talk about income, you're honest or transparent with your lender, nine out of 10 times, you're going to be able to get a loan. I'm just throwing out a number that's probably, you know, in my experience about accurate. Okay. There are things that sometimes happen that are outside of everyone's control and things that come up, Right. Most of the time that can get sniffed out by a good lender long before we get an accepted offer. But even then there's things that come up that, you know, occasionally doesn't work out, but that's why we have the financing contingency in there for you to protect. If you, if something does come up that no one knows about, obviously you're not obligated to buy the house in cash if you can't get the loan, right? Okay. That's your financing. Now your appraisal, John, um, again appraisal is a valuation of the property it's a professional opinion of value most of the time the lenders require it and the appraiser goes to the property they assign a value to the home and um you know it has to come out at least at the purchase price so if we're buying a $200,000 house and the appraisal comes back at one ninety, dollars we could go back to the sellers and say hey the uh, appraisal came back at one we're only willing to pay 190 dollars right Now, John, you might really love this house. You might be like, I don't want to lose this house. I don't want to give the sellers the ultimatum. 190 of the deals off. Right? You have the option to, but you don't maybe want to. So then instead of giving the ultimatum to the sellers, you you amend the offer or you negotiate the offer. Maybe you're like, hey, if I bring five grand to the table, sellers, you come down five, one ninety-five, we'll excuse me, we'll move forward, right? John, if the appraisal comes back low again, I'll help you with that um, throughout the process. A couple other things. Another thing that we could do, again, if we're if we're in competitive offers against other agents and, and uh, um, buyers, keep in mind, we won't know any of the terms of the other offers. So we're going a little bit in the dark. I won't know and you won't know any of the terms of the other offers. We may be fortunate enough to know how many offers come in, but sometimes they don't even give us that. Most of the time they will, um, but we won't know any of the terms of the other offers. One of the things that uh, can really set our offer apart is if we're willing to cover an appraisal deficit, right? So let's say in our example, we write an offer on a $200,000 house and you let the sellers know like, hey, let's say it's listed for one eighty-five, dollars and we put an offer in at two hundred. dollars that's 15,000 over asking. Well, that's great. But what if the house doesn't appraise out and the seller might think, well, what if the house appraises at 185? Then are they going to like, you know, we're going to get four weeks into this process. The buyers are going to kind of come back and say 185 or the deal's off as a seller that they might be concerned. Like they're going to pull the classic bait and switch, right? Bait them with a high price and then do pull the switcheroo. Um, when you're late into the process, like two to three weeks before closing, right? And the seller obviously probably has a lot of stuff moved out, all the et cetera, et cetera, right. So as a buyer, you might say, hey, sellers, we realize we're going 15,000 over. We realize that it may not appraise out and we're willing to put in our offer that we're willing to pay $10,000 over the appraisal not to exceed the purchase price if necessary and then that might be something where it's like hey that actually to the seller they're thinking that's guaranteed right like so if the appraisal comes back low at least i'm getting 10000 over the appraisal versus if someone else doesn't have that in their offer it's kind of a crapshoot right even if that other offer is at 210 and we're at 200 if we're guaranteeing 10000 over the appraisal the sellers might say you know what that's more appealing to me that guaranteed money than than you know than gambling on the extra 10,000 on this other offer. Got it, John. That's where I'm going to help you out. That's why you're hiring me as your agent, so that I can give you these types of input when we come into these circumstances. And I guarantee you, we will be competing with other offers. Well, I can't guarantee you that. There, sometimes there are houses that, are houses that are on the market for a while, and we may be able to negotiate. There's still some decent houses out there. But a lot of times, this is what we're running into, and that's why I'm going to help you um I'm going to help you out. Um John, let me tell you a little bit about uh how you want me to represent you in this process. Right? There's two ways I can be a customer, we can be a have a customer relationship. When we go to the homes, I have certain duties to you as a uh as a as a customer, right? I have duties to the sellers, I have duties to you to be fair, honest, exercise reasonable skill and care, etc., but I can't negotiate on your behalf. John, if we just go the customer route, right? I couldn't put the seller at a disadvantage. I can't negotiate or act like your agent if we don't have the necessary agency forms. Okay, I can still show you houses, do everything. I just can't negotiate or give you extra input, etc., act like your agent if we go the customer route. If we want to go the buyer agency route, which I have for you here, we can go through this document. Right, this is you formally hiring me as your agent so that I can work in your best interests so that I can give you this different types of input, get creative for you when we're in offer situations, help negotiate on your behalf. It's a different dialogue, right? This is where I'm representing you. Now, you might think in your head, well, man, like when we're making these offers um, competitive we're really like making a lot of terms favorable for the sellers and you're hundred percent right right now buyer agency kind of almost takes on a new role where that it's a balance right we're not it's a balance it's it's being creative where you're comfortable with the terms of the offer but it's also competitive against the other offers right so it's it's all the buyer agency is taking on a new role to which we can really be your representative against not just the sellers but against the other offers which we don't know exactly what the terms are, but we can get creative to help lock down a house, right? If you want all this extra input and all these ideas, right, we're going to need on the specific houses, we're going to need to put this buyer agency into place, right? It's a commitment, John, for me to work hard for you for a certain amount of time. It's also a commitment for you to work with me, right? So you wouldn't want to sign one of these forms and then decide to go work with a different realtor or buy a house without me. That would be the only instance where you get in trouble, right? If you don't buy a house in this time frame, that's fine. We can always extend it or decide not to work together, um, which doesn't happen very often. But if it doesn't, it's not a good fit. That's fine, right? Uh, so that's kind of what the buyer agency form, do- that that's what it, that it is. And in here, we specify the compensation john normally the seller will compensate us for the work and we'll take an mls compensation right they're they're going to be the ones that pay us in certain instances with for sale by owners or private sales sales we're still going to be involved and to that here's what we charge in those instances john and uh normally what we do is we ask the seller to compensate us in those circumstances if we can find those private like if we find private sales or for sale by owners we can run them past you with the confidence to know that we're going to be able to work together on those right so this is an exclusive form meaning that if you purchase a home whether it's on the market or not you're going to work with us and Cobble Banker as your agents right it's a commitment and good things happen when we commit because obviously we can work hard knowing it's going to lead to something john what's the best fit for you what which one makes the most sense for you etc right that's what the kind of good dialogue that we're going to have and then we'll get into the specifics about hey when we find the right house john uh, let me tell you about how our team integrates into this as well right our team operates where we're all hand on deck. I'm going to be the primary agent showing you the properties. However, in an instance where we need to get into something right away, that's where we have three other agents on our team that can help out and get you into these properties, right? Uh, Again, I'm going to be the primary contact. Potentially one of these other agents can, well, I shouldn't say it like that. Our team will help you, um, you know, my teammates, my partners will help you if we need, uh, extra assistance, which they do. Right. And I will, I provide the same thing, uh, to my partner agents as well. If they need some assistance, I'm there to help too. Right. So in this case, I might, I'm working with John as his buyer's agent, right? If you come to us, um, looking to, to purchase a home, uh, you may get partnered up with one of our, my partner agents as well. Right. And maybe I'm the secondary agent or the backup agent, which works great as well. Right. We like to balance things out so that we can provide the best service to you guys, uh, throughout the process. Um, then when we find, when we get an accepted offer on house, we have an assistant, right? A transaction coordinator that helps Balance the transaction and works on the back end. Some of the paperwork, some of the nitty gritty, etc. I'm going to be with you throughout the whole process, John. At the dashboard for you, right with the bigger items like the negotiations. Where are we at? Where are we going? All that back end work that I'm not very good at will be handled by my partner Tyler, who's a rock star, and will help coordinate all those details. So that's okay. That's the that's the end of the example. That's what a buyer meeting looks like. And at that point, John could decide how he'd like us to represent him in the process, right? And we might have a bunch of other questions to go through at that point, but that's what a buyer meeting looks like. Whether you're buying your first house, your second house, or your third house, obviously the nature and extent of how deep we go into those conversations will all vary. But this is the dialogue we have with our buyers um, as we prepare them for the marketplace. Uh, any questions guys let me know if you want to have a specific meeting as well we can certainly run through uh, more of this and i'd love to have the opportunity as well as our team would love to have the opportunity to work with you uh, as your agents